Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. Week four of the Ohio high school football season. And uh, we're talking uh, everything fall sports on this episode. A little bit later on, you're going to hear from Mountain Order Dame volleyball coach Michael Crofton about the Cougars being ranked number one nationally last week by Max Preps, including having an All-American named from that MND team, which was a, a Division I state champion just a year ago. Also have a conversation with ScoutingOhio.com director Mark Porter, who has some interesting thoughts on the Bishop Sycamore situation and college football recruiting in general. But I want to remind everybody this WCPO High School Insider podcast is brought to you by your greater Cincinnati and northern Kentucky area Chick-fil-A restaurants. Chick-fil-A has delicious breakfast options for you, including the chicken minis, egg white grill, or the classic fresh-baked Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit. Order in the Chick-fil-A app to earn points. First up, a conversation with Kings head football coach Alex Garvin as the Knights earned a 3-0 start this season and they play host to Anderson this Friday night. Hi, Mike. How are you, Coach? Great. Cool. Thanks for doing this. Great. How are you? Doing well. Just getting back at it. Feels like a Monday, but it's a Tuesday, as I'm sure it is for everybody there. <laughs> right. That's totally true. Yeah, although we did practice. You know, you got to keep the, the normal routine for a Monday. So we just did it in the morning. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, Coach, uh, 3-0 start uh, for the second straight season for the Kings Knights. And um, first of all, tell me about uh, the victory over Winton Woods, 14-13 to last week, and uh, how proud you were of the effort. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I was so proud. Our kids did amazing. And um, Winton Woods is a fantastic team and, and very well coached. And, um, you know, I just kept telling them all week that, that we belong in that game and that it's our job to fight whistle to whistle as hard as we can until the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, until that final whistle blows and it went all the way to that last whistle. And so I was really proud that our kids never gave up and, and just kept fighting as hard as they could and, and every play uh, ended up in our favor. This seems pretty obvious, but I mean, how important is that win considering the Eastern Cincinnati Conference standings? I know it's still early on, but that's certainly got to be a feather in everybody's cap there. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a really big win. Uh, you know, and, and really, I've been saying it for a couple weeks now, every win in the ECC is a big win. But um, yeah, obviously, that one was was a pretty big one to start out with, um, you know, with Anderson coming in this Friday and, and Walnut Hills and Lebanon and West Claremont coming up. I mean, it just it, it never stops. There's good teams on the end of every Friday. And, um, so it's really important for us to, to stay focused on each day. Uh, and really making sure that we're putting our best effort into to that particular practice and that particular team. But but to win Friday and to, and to realize that, you know, coming off of the loss last year to them um, in the playoffs and uh, just, you know, them being new to the league and us not really having been playing them for, for several years, um, it was nice to go over there on Friday night in our first league game for the year and, and get a win. Gotcha. Um, we'll talk about this Friday here in a little bit, but uh, what the guy next to you there, uh, Andy, what has what he meant to – to the team so far, especially a uh, game winning drive. Uh, you know, he had some big catches last week as well. Yeah. Big catches. Andy is, a, he's a, he's our only player who's been with us all four years of high school, uh, senior captain for us this year. And, um, you know, we, we built an offense for the last two or three years behind what he was capable of doing. Um, we don't have, uh, the need really to, to sub personnel groups cause he can play hand in the dirt tight end. Um, he can play wide receiver out at, at number one. He can play a slot receiver. He can play a fullback type position. And we just found ways on Friday night to make sure he was in position to get the ball. And, um, you know, it was the one fourth down, fourth and six, and called his number on a slant. He gets seven. 
Uh, and then we go down and score the winning touchdown uh, three plays later. So big plays like that, that we rely on a kid like Andy, who's, um, you know, got football pumping through his veins and his off season was fantastic. So, you know, he come in, he's got all the trust of his teammates, all the trust of his coaches, uh, returning all league player. And so we put the game in his hands, ran behind him almost every play we ran um, and then had our offense, you know, throwing the ball, looking for him as one of our first choices. So in a big game like that, obviously he was really important, but to our whole team, to our locker room um, and to the feel of our culture, Andy is one of the ringleaders. So really proud of him. Andy, what was that like for you on Friday night to, to get that big victory? That was just really an exhilarating feeling, you know, beating that team. You know, they had some big dudes, but I thought our guys went in there, handled business. We weren't really afraid of them. We, uh, you know, we just did our thing. We knew what we had to do to win, and we did it. I know Max got the uh, MVP honors there, but, uh, you know, what was it like? I assume you blocked for him a lot? Yeah, I do. I block for Max all the time. He He runs behind a lot of my holes. I like to think I make – some pretty good holes for him, but yeah, you know, it's a uh, walking's fun. Catching ball's fun. I like doing it. So yeah. What's it mean to you be a captain this year? Uh, it really means a lot. You know, I've been, you know, with the football team for four years. Um, you know, I know how the locker room should feel. I know how games should feel. I know how the tradition is. So, you know, it really means a lot to carry on the tradition for years to come. Yeah, coach mentioned you're a four-year player. I mean, what has Kings football meant to you just personally? It means a whole lot. I mean, every summer, you know, focusing on football, you know, off season, all about football. You know, I just love football. Four years. It's been amazing four years. Yeah. What's it, what's it like? Just, you know, you got a home game, obviously this week. I mean, what's it like playing in front of the home crowd? Kind of take me through that maybe the past couple of years. Home crowd's really fun to be around. I mean, there's like 5,000 people sometimes, a whole bunch of people, you know, really loud. I love those games. Those games, not, not a lot of feelings like it. Uh-huh. Coach, another big game, obviously, uh, within the conference this week with Anderson. Don't have to tell you that. Uh, everybody knows uh, <laughs> that they love to throw the ball around, and, and you're certainly ready for that. But uh, uh, obviously, they had a close game themselves, one-point overtime victory over Low Miami last week. But uh, what do you expect from Anderson coming up this week? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I think every game this week in the ECC was was decided by a touchdown or so. Uh, and I think that's just evidence that every week is is going to be a dogfight. And, you know, our kids were really excited Saturday. I told them that's pretty reasonable. But on Monday yesterday, it was back to work. And uh, Anderson brings in a good team. Evan's done a great job since he's been there and um, has got them really humming still. So, um, you know, they run a 3-3 stack on defense, which is a little unique for us uh, blocking-wise. And, um, obviously, they're they're lenient to to throwing the ball as their you know as their primary mode of moving the ball. A lot of quick game, moving the ball down the field, um, taking little things as they come. So you know we got to we got to disguise coverages. We got to be able to bring pressure. We got to be able to drop a lot. We got to be able to run the ball. Um, you know, and then take advantage of of coverage mismatches. So um, it's the whole gamut of the, the whole football you know playbook is out there, and we're just trying to. Um, you know, as the week goes on, figure out what we're playing well and, and, and what looks good against their, um, their schemes, but they're well coached and, and, and they'll be a good team. And I mean, I think that's fun. Our, our kids, they deserve to have a good solid football team every Friday night on the other side of them. You know, I want it to be, I want every Friday to feel like, um, this is a huge game in, in the city and, and in their lives. And yeah, we get to, we get to play this Friday at home and, um, you know, march down the hill with our drum line and play in front of uh, 4,000 plus fans. And so uh, it's supposed to be beautiful and, and who, who can, who can pick a different, a better way to spend their Friday night. So super, super excited. 
I don't think I've ever asked an opposing coach this uh, when it comes to Coach Dreyer, but do you even practice punt returns during the week? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. No, uh, we don't. We don't have to actually uh, do much punt return practice anyway through the week. But, um, you know, for, for a team like Evans, no, we're, we're expecting a lot of fourth down uh, plays for sure. Who have been some other guys? I mentioned Max a little bit earlier, but who have been some other guys that have stepped up for you recently, too? Well, Will has, has been playing quarterback, playing at a high level. You know, there's a lot in our offense that goes through Will and, and uh, making the right reads and um, getting people in position to start the game or to start each play. Um, and, you know, Jake Cameron and Michael Museri uh, at receivers have done really well. Jay Howie Betts uh, had a great offseason. And, you know, being able to play running back and receiver is really helpful for getting Max some spells when necessary. Um, you know, and Jake's playing defense too, Jake Cameron. So be able to um, be able to move Jay Howie bets around and um, still have some of those skill guys uh, fresh is really important. But, um, you know, in our O-line and D-line, uh, we're a question mark for sure coming into the season. And um, they've really had to come into their own a little bit, especially over against a good team like Linton Woods and, and Sycamore and Middletown. Those three games were um, a lot of big guys. And, um, you know, Connor Purcell, our, our big left tackle, getting hurt on Friday night. Uh, we put in a freshman and, you know, Ryan Doofman plays freshman left tackle against Wynton Woods for basically the whole game and, and does OK and handles his own. And so, you know, things like that just are reinforce that our, our football program is is about, you know, coming together as a team, everybody doing their job as hard as they can, whistle to whistle. And if we do that, then I think we have the opportunity to be in any fight uh, against any team on any Friday night. Bigger picture here for you, uh, Coach, just a question. Just third year as head coach, uh, you were OC six years, I think, prior to that, uh, took over Coach Andy Olds, and I think you've been with the program, what, in some form or fashion since the mid-'90s, 94, uh, 03 grad there of Kings, and uh, um, really, yeah, yeah, very successful season last year in the whole unique 2020 season, obviously, but, uh, you know, how much do you like the direction of this program right now, and, I mean, what, what's it kind of feel like just to be – in charge of this program now in third year going? That's a good, that's a great question. I, I love uh, Kings football. I love the game of football because I think it has the opportunity to really um, reinforce and teach uh, some things that aren't easily accessible to um, both high school aged kids and really adults in the same, uh, in the same light. So um, as coaches, we put a lot of value in our culture. We put a lot of value in our, um, what I like to say, our locker room feel. Um, and what it feels like to be a part of this team. What's it feel like to be a player here? What's it feel like to, to experience this whole program, not just the Friday night exhilaration. And um, so we focus a lot on that all year um, in the weight room and our off season competition teams and our uh, team camp. And we go away, go away and play fun games. And I mean, it's just it, the, the whole premise. And a lot of it was built by coach Andy Olds and uh, what he taught me. Um, and the way he ran this program for so many years. And I just got the opportunity to see it. And now I'm just uh, really trying to reinforce that the game itself is really fun. That's why we love it. That's why we're here. But that's not the that's not the main goal. Um, and so when those when these players like Andy, who have been doing it for years, they buy into, yeah, we want to win and we want to play really good football because that's fun. Uh, but we want to do it the right way. We want to do it by the way our culture feels, our locker room feels, the way the younger kids feel. And I, you know, I like to say like next year's kids are going to think next year's seniors and juniors are going to think, how did this group do it? What helped them be successful? Just like these guys are hanging on the, 
you know, the way that Ty did it last year and, and that crew and the way that we're hanging on each class from before that, um, uh, you know, Andy's older brother, Tommy played here back in the, uh, late, you know, 2018 or so. Um, and so, you know, when you got kids that kids and families that are in the system, uh, it's really fun for me to be a part of and, and yeah, to be leading, but just to see these, uh, players and parents and coaches really buy into what it means to be Kings football, uh, has been fun. And obviously it's leading to a little bit of success on the field. Hopefully we can keep that rolling, but, um, yeah, I love it. Andy, I'll put you on the spot as the, as the final word here. What's it like to play for coach? Uh, it's great. You know, I think coach Garvin's a great leader. You know, he just, uh, he expects uh, great things out of everybody. You know, he just expects everyone to go hundred percent when whatever they're doing. So, you know, he's, uh, he's leading the culture in, the, in our locker room and I just think he's a great coach. Everyone should follow him. Yeah. Great. Good stuff, guys. Really appreciate your time. Best of luck to Kings this Friday night. Thanks. Thank you, Thank you Mike. Well, you can tell Coach Garvin has a lot going there in Kings Mills uh, for the Knights in his third season, a 3-0 and start. He avenged that playoff loss to Wynton Woods last week. And uh, you got to think, if they defeat Anderson this Friday night at home, they're in a great position to take that ECC conference title. But a lot of football that remains to be played, and I know uh, it would be premature to talk anything about uh, a conference title right now. But want to get into uh, Mark Porter from ScoutingOhio.com, continuing our football theme here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Mark had some great thoughts about the college football uh, recruiting scene this year. Obviously, still some challenges due to COVID-19 for a lot of uh, prospects around the high school football scene. But uh, he also had some interesting thoughts on the Bishop Sycamore controversy. As you might recall, uh, Bishop Sycamore played IMG Academy a week ago Sunday on a nationally televised game, and it was a game filled with controversy. But take a listen to what Mark's thoughts are about this and uh, just college football in general. So, Mark, just tell me, I guess, here we are, week three, uh, the football season, uh, maybe some of your impressions of uh, how the season's gone so far. You know, we've had kind of a few cancellations here and there, and more than a few actually statewide. But um, what, what's kind of been your your impressions as we get going here on uh, week three? Yeah, I think this season was real big for the word normalcy. You know, I think these kids just wanted to get back to their normal routines. I think the fans wanted to get back to their normal routines. Uh, but the couple of games I've been to early in the season, I've seen a couple sellouts. You know, the corners of the bleachers were filled on both sides. Uh, sidelines were filled. There weren't protocols on the sidelines. So you did get to feel normal at the games. What the cost of that is going to be throughout the season, we don't know yet. And, of course, you don't know when the kids get back to school. But a few cancellations here and there. But for the most part, when you go to a football game right now, you can kind of feel normal and get that excitement back and the yelling and screaming's there. And you feel the energy in the stadiums. We could spend three hours on transfer portals and all kinds of stuff with, but um, what is your impression of just college recruiting right now? I guess, I guess just take it from the seniors, the class of 2022, and then kind of move backward in terms of the younger classes. Yeah. This class of 2022 really took it on the chin when it comes to recruiting. Um, Their summers were also wiped out. You know, a lot of people didn't realize that, okay, the season's not you know going to be normal, but in the summer, their camps uh, schedule was canceled for a year. And even last year, there were limited numbers at some camps, and the camps weren't as big. Uh, so that took away their opportunity to be seen and be recruited. So you would think that numbers would be lighter, but it's not necessarily true. The, the college coaches still got out there through the old boys network, through phone calls and film, and they got their scholarships offered. But uh, you mentioned that the transfer portal has taken a dent out of high school recruiting. Uh, you know, if Ohio was going to put out about 115 kids a year, 
Uh, I think there's going to be about 15 to 20 kids that don't get scholarships now because transfer portal type players, you know, and you can't blame colleges. They might think they can get a better player or a more proven player from college than they can from high school. So that's going to be a new dynamic. And then when you pair that with the same year COVID hit, you know, that is a little bit of a wild, wild west out there. I know you deal with college programs, obviously, uh, all the time, but uh, also, you know, student athletes have an opportunity to have a profile on your website. Um, I mean, what's your best advice? I know you speak to families uh, and you speak with high school coaches, but uh, is there any strategy to not necessarily to get around, you know, because transfer portal is here to stay, but uh, you know, what, what's your best advice, I guess, for a, a student athlete? Yeah, the, the-, the best advice is don't worry and try to take the pot process as, you know, as it comes and have fun, but that's not what anybody does. Everybody begins to worry and it's human nature, you know, what should we be doing? Are we doing enough? Uh, what type of schools? And they start asking all these questions. They realize how uh, broad of a topic it could be. It's not just about playing football good on Friday nights. It's about going to camps, visiting colleges, making relationships, getting your high school coach to help you. Uh, of course, signing up on my site, I have about 80 colleges that use the site, whether it's Ivy League, Division II, Division III, or, and the Division I, Big Ten, Mac. Uh, mostly schools within about six to eight hour drive of Ohio which makes sense. That's where most kids from Ohio go play football and just go to college in general. Uh, but I recommend really your head coach should be your point man in this recruiting process. And then places like scouting Ohio and other places like that are like the auxiliary things you use to kind of boost your process and help it out. But a lot of it's going to fall down to you and your coach getting out to the uh, college camps in the summer, him helping you make a highlight tape, him helping you get that around. And, and then the process should happen. And a lot of times why I say, don't worry is if you're good enough, it just kind of happens for you. And, I, and that happens every year where kids don't even realize that the offers start coming. And then other kids are stressing out so much, and it's just spinning your wheels in the mud when you're stressing. Um, all you can control is the weight room, the, the football field, and your camps, and that you should focus on. Have we heard anything else about um, signing periods possibly altering? I know December, obviously, for the early signing period, and then February being the regular signing period. Have you heard any change in the works on those? No, and then this early signing period right now is going to be a big signing period. That's what I am hearing, that there's going to be a lot of commitments. A lot of people are going to try to put their money in the bank, so to speak, as soon as they can. The college coaches are really putting a lot of pressure on these kids to commit early because it helps them get in for the next semester. Once you're committed, sometimes you're going to forego your senior year with the money you might be able to get in college, depending on what type of college you're going to. So that's a whole new issue where we saw the quarterback out of South Lake, Texas, Quinn Ewers, who's going to Ohio State forgo his senior year and say, I'd rather be a freshman at Ohio state and start collecting that money in college. So that's a dynamic that that's the first time we've seen that play out. I mean, how rare is that though, Mark? Obviously, I mean, for people listening to this, that, you know, they might see that and, you know, that's certainly the exception to the rule for those opportunities. Yeah, and that's what I wonder, you know, as, as those conferences combined and they kind of formed a powerful 30 top 30 football schools in Ohio, I worry that if you play for those schools, it's basically going to be amateur football where everybody's getting paid. So places like that may be able to pay freshmen. Um, you may see a situation where the scholarship count doesn't matter anymore because, you know, hey, if we can get this kid 100000 or $200,000, he can pay thirty for his own school. So, you know, why would we have to give him a scholarship anymore? The scholarship could be from a car dealership or from a local bank or something. So there are dynamics coming that we haven't really – thought of yet that other people are playing their angles, you know, I, and it's going to be interesting how that plays out. But I think if you're not one of those top 30 programs and for instance, if, for instance, if you're in the Mac 
what are those players making? Are the seniors or starters making money? And do freshmen even matter yet on those teams? Or a freshman at a top 30 school who's very important to a program three years later may be able to get some of that early money, which is very enticing. And, you know, a lot of families, they need that money. A lot of kids need that money. They're not coming from a place where I can wait three years. You know, I'll be able to survive. My family will be good for three years. So the pressure is definitely going to be ratcheted up. Have you heard, without specific names, have you heard actual maybe 2022 student athlete in Ohio, you know, talking about NIL in terms of uh, making their decision? Have you heard an actually concrete yeah, example? I, I think, I think uh, it's under their breath right now because there's no set, how do I want to say it, pay scale. Let's just say it like that. The, uh, the Alabama quarterback who hasn't played yet is uh, getting over a million dollars. He hasn't set on the field. So is that the bar? So if you're going to be a starting quarterback, is that what the pay scale is for college top 30 quarterbacks, 500 to a million dollars? You know, what is it for the backup? Is it 20,000? Is it, you know, a car? So I think there's going to be a pecking order that establishes in a couple of years where, hey, Ohio State's quarterback makes this, Alabama's quarterback makes this. And you can see the graphic going up on CBS right now during a game. Here are the top 20 quarterbacks and what they get paid in college football. Here are the top 20 running backs and what they're getting paid. Um, that's coming. And so once that establishes and there's not a salary cap in uh, high school or college football, you're going to see some rich donor that has enough money or has a company that can pay these athletes and really fuel the program in a totally different way we've never seen. So a scholarship really might be irrelevant here in the next five years. Football is changing quickly, as we know, but switching gears a little bit uh, the past week, obviously national spotlight that Ohio didn't necessarily want to have uh, with this um, Bishop Sycamore and IMG Academy game that was nationally televised, played at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium there in Canton. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, attention paid to the Bishop Sycamore program. Um, what was your take on uh, that whole situation? Yeah, of course, I, uh, I went to see them about three years ago when they were the COF Academy, you know, and. And how this whole thing gets started, because I've got that question a lot over the past couple of days, is how does a school like this get to this place? How does it stop earlier on? Well, when it first starts and you talk to their coaches, they're all about helping players. And there you have it, the buzzword. We want to help players. So that lures in guys like me and other people who say, okay, I'll come check out your game and look at your prospects and I can add in my report. And this is what I do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then that gives them credibility because, oh, Scouting Ohio came to our game. You can tell the parents and the players that, hey, look, at they're giving us credibility. And then another guy like me shows up at a game and writes a story on him, and it hits the Internet, and the coach uses that as credibility. And he starts parlaying credibility where, you know what, IMG and St. Ed's and St. Ignatius and, and Wayne High School wouldn't play us unless we were credible and legitimate. So the parents who are going to send their kids there start to hear this, and if you see the things they were saying, we were going to put you on Netflix and – you know, we're going to be the IMG of Ohio, and they use the right buzzwords. And, of course, if you have a smooth salesman doing it and he starts parlaying these relationships and these buzzwords, and the second part of it that you need is the desperate player and the desperate parent. Okay, so now you have a bunch of players who have graduated high school and have run out of chances. And usually they were the type of players that burned through all their chances in high school where they didn't do their grades right, they didn't do what they're supposed to do on the field or weight room. And they're hoping in this extra year they can do this. And all of a sudden, a couple of years ago, there's this magical place, the IMG of Ohio. 
boy, we can be a part of that first class. So you can kind of see how the, it started to roll downhill. Well, after a while, I went to one of their games and they showed up an hour and a half late for the game. So you start to get inklings and clues that, okay, these guys are helping kids, but they're just disorganized. They're just, you know, not a, a well-oiled machine yet. They have a lot of things to overcome and you make excuses for them because you don't think the alternative is someone being diabolical where they're actually scamming you and lying to you and your human nature just doesn't click on really fast that this is going to turn out this way. So I think as that hit TV yesterday, you know, and I, and I knew it early on, this will be a mercy rule. Um, you know, and, and all of a sudden things start coming out. Like the, the announcers don't have a roster of who's hurt on the field. They don't know who the quarterback is. Uh, when players are jogging off, they're handing their helmets to players who are coming on the field because they don't have enough equipment. You find out they played 48 hours earlier. All of a sudden, it, you find out that the coach may or may not have legal issues. You know, and this is all breaking on TV. And then you get a national media and the media in Ohio that starts to attack these issues and interview former players, coaches. And now you have the fiasco we have today where it's trending on Twitter. The memes are out. Cam Newton signing with Bishop Sycamore. And, you know, it, it's become a circus. And you know what? Part of me feels bad, but part of me says if you were that type of kid and you were that desperate and you you were a parent and you were that desperate and you fell for that, it's almost like you got what you deserved. You know, you got the embarrassment at the end of the day because a lot of them weren't embarrassed before yesterday. They were proud that they were on this team and they would stick it in people's faces. And that's why a lot of people in Ohio kind of resented them and enjoyed the fall on their face because they thought they were – IMG, we're better than all the other schools in Ohio. We're playing a national schedule. We're the best of the best. And that never really, you know, seemed to be, you know, the truth. So there's my, you know, little take on what happened and maybe why it happened. Uh, And it is horrible for Ohio. There's a lot of other teams that deserve that national exposure and that dream of being a 17 and 18 year old and playing in front of family and friends on that channel with those announcers so that opportunity does feel stolen, and there's probably resentment about that. Before I let you go, your quick take maybe on some of the greater Cincinnati talent. Obviously, uh, have some very strong teams again, you know, with um, yeah. the rematch of the regional final, St. X and Lakota West. Uh, that happened week one this, this year. But uh, any impressions on uh, greater Cincinnati? I have not been to Cincinnati yet, but now that I'm with Bucknuts, the first place I'm going to go is Lakota West to see Tegra Shabula and Jair Brown. Um, those are, you know, obviously the toast of the town down there. And then the, the players that are committed to Cincinnati, which obviously Luke Fickle has done a good job of putting that fence up around the area, as they say, and, you know, keeping a lot of guys home. Um, but I haven't done my, you know, homework in Cincinnati yet, but I usually save it to go to the, you know, my, my Cincinnati trips towards later in the year because I got to deal with so many teams down there. I got to spend two, three weeks in the playoffs to hit a lot of the powerhouses and it's hard to even get through all the Division One and Division Two programs down there because there are so many. I mean, it, when I look at Ohio, Columbus, Cincinnati are the two biggest, and then Dayton and Cleveland are like the next two. You know, and I don't want to say who's better, Dayton or Cincinnati, because it you know revolves back and forth. But the the secret answer to that is its population. You know, the, uh, if there was a formula how to create a Division One football player or a great football player, dads would have figured it out but it just, it's genetics and genetics pop up all over the state. You know, you really can't predict it. So some years, a lot of teams have a lot of good classes or a lot of good genetics on their team that make a great football team. How can people follow you, Mark? Uh, on Twitter at Mark Porter. And of course you go to scouting Ohio, you'll get my email and all that stuff. And 
If your kids need help with uh, getting to college at any level, just register on the site for free. And you can also find me at Bucknuts. You know, I do a lot of the Bucknuts work in their videos and follow a lot of the Ohio State products, which, you know, of course, Ohio people love. Always appreciate it, Mark. You've been a friend for many years. Mark Porter from ScoutingOhio.com. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Mike. Always appreciate you. Well, I've known Mark for uh, quite a number of years. He's been a friend uh, to the podcast here, and uh, he's never at a loss of words, so certainly has some interesting insight about the name, image, and likeness and how that's impacting college football and how the transfer portal is really impacting a lot of high school seniors this year. So it continues to be something that we're going to monitor, and I'm always glad to have Mark on the podcast. I want to remind everybody this WCPO High School Insider podcast is brought to you by your Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky area Chick-fil-A restaurants. Chick-fil-A has delicious breakfast options for you, including the chicken and minis, egg white grill, or the classic freshly baked Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit. Order in the Chick-fil-A app to earn points today. I'm going to switch gears a little bit now and talk some high school girls volleyball. Mount Notre Dame was ranked number one nationally by Max Preps last week. I had a, catch, had a chance to catch up with their first-year head coach, Michael Crofton, to talk about the Cougars this year. Well, how are you doing? Hey, Mike, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Great. What's been the transition like for you personally, just as a head coach this year? Honestly, it's been relatively easy. Um, I have a really good relationship with Chris and Joe, uh, the prior, the prior coaches, and we've known each other for years. Um, Joe was, I used to coach at MND back in 2007 and 2008, and Joe was actually there. So I, I, so I've known him for quite a while, known Chris, Chris and I get on calls weekly. We talk about different things. We have great parents that are very organized and take a lot off of my plate. So for that and knowing the administration at MND, it was actually a relatively smooth transition. I just have been trying not to derail the train. Great. Gotcha. Um, Carly obviously got that all American distinction from Max preps. Uh, yeah. How effective has she been? What have you seen from her? For, she just is. And by her own admission, she's an addicted kid. She just is. She's addicted to volleyball all around. And she wants to be in the gym as much as she can throughout the entire summer. She was training in the mornings before we would have camp or open gyms. She was training with past alumni of MND, as well as some uh, players that are back home from playing overseas. She went out to Anaheim to train with the national team. She's doing it again in September or in a couple weeks now, she'll go back and train again. But she is a, she's one of those kids where she, nobody's going to outwork her. Between camp sessions, she was out running laps with me around the school just to do conditioning. Uh, we had seven hours of camp, and she was still trying to run every, every half an hour break we had. We would go outside and run. And just to see that kid, she has become a coach on the floor for me. Uh, we bounce a lot of ideas off each other. She has a lot of you know, her experience out there. She can see things from a different lens and, you know, she will come up with ideas and we'll bounce ideas off as coaches. And it, it's, it's really a good transition. She's become a, a leader, um, not only in her play, but also vocal. She's voted captain by, for us, but um, she really brings every, she rises to the occasion and brings everybody else's level up when she's on the floor. I saw a tweet that uh, Rachel Adams came back to campus there this past summer. And what was that like to see every time her work with Carly a little bit? Good. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time, um, you know, Rachel was, Rachel was at the program when I was there back in 07 and 08. So she was, she's somebody who I've known for years, but she came back and was 
was in the gym all the time. And that's one of the things that I've tried to do here is not only keep the relationship with Chris and Joe, but also the alumni. Um, I had Michelle Strizak, who was an All-American as well. She was back here just a couple of days ago coming in and just seeing things and giving her perspective and talking to the girls. And But Rachel was there every day. She's training for her pro season uh, in Brazil. And also she was rehabbing from some injuries. So she was um, trying to get back to the, uh, to the Olympic level. But every day before camp, when we would come in, I would see Carly along with a couple of our defenders, Rachel, and then Ashley Evans, who's currently with the national team right now, went to Purdue and went to the Code East. Uh, she was in there as well. So just to see that and let them, their experiences weigh. And I think that's really given Carly a lot of, a lot of great motivation. You know, she wants to play on the national team. She wants to play overseas and getting advice from two people who've been extremely successful and have tremendous work ethic has only been, has only made her grow more as a player. What a talented group that was inside that MND gym yeah. there. So, yes. Uh, yes. so what, what is it that Carly's involved in, in terms of the, uh, the national camp that you mentioned? Yeah, she's been training with the, uh, the U19 team and they've been doing, she trained with them over the summer. Um, unfortunately, that team doesn't actually go and compete. Uh, the U20 does. So that's something that she'll be shooting for next year. Uh, but there is the national team's doing like satellite training sessions throughout the uh, throughout the country. Start, I think it's the weekend of the 18th. And so she's going up to Columbus to train for a few days. There's a couple other kids in the uh, in the city as well that are going up Um so, but it's a, uh, yeah, it'll be a good experience for her just to keep going. But hers is more at a select level than some of these other ones that are there just because of the, the level where she is and the team that she's training for. Well, St. Ursula defeated Mountain Notre Dame in a big GGCL match last week. It took uh, five sets, but uh, certainly that is going to be an ultra competitive conference as it always is for, in girls volleyball. So uh, appreciate Michael Crofton joining us and talking about Carly Hendrickson, a University of Florida commit who's certainly on the fast track to playing for the national team. Well, I want to thank Mountain Notre Dame volleyball coach Michael Crofton, scoutingohio.com director Mark Porter, and also Kings head football coach Alex Garvin for joining the WCPO High School Insider podcast. This High School Insider podcast is every week, so make sure you subscribe to us using your favorite podcast app. Well, our WCPO game of the week is Princeton at Lakota West this Friday night. I'm going to be out there at Westchester along with uh, our team of members there from uh, WCPO to talk about this game pregame. It should be an excellent GMC matchup. We have Andre Parker from Princeton, Tom Bolden from Lakota West. In fact, they've never faced each other in a regular season game, playoff game, let alone a scrimmage. So it should be a fantastic night for area high school football, including that GMC matchup in Westchester. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.